Woo! Baby. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the Red Cedar Podcast. It's your boy ST here, coming at you with the banger of an episode. One that I didn't think I would be recording, and definitely didn't want one I did not think I would be recording in such unprecedented times with no sports, no active in-person recruiting going on, or nothing really big in the sports world in terms of college sports going on right now, besides players coming back to campus and, you know, voluntary workouts and all that stuff. But yesterday, as I'm recording this on Tuesday, June 30th, um, yesterday, June 29th, there was some rumors circulating around MSU Twitter. Amani Bates is going to be on ESPN at 140. And I was like, yeah, probably talking about something else. Um, you know, I follow recruiting, but I don't, you know, follow every single article and all the little tea leaves with everything. So I didn't really know what was going on. And, you know, speculation was basically that Amani was going to announce that he was going to uh, prep school that um, he had basically created uh, Yipsy Prep and thought that would be it. Just, you know, a nice PR stunt for um, for Mr. Bates and his family to, you know, get the name out there and give some indication. And then as the time roll around, I mean, you know, the diehard MSU fans like us are like, oh man, like, what if he recruits? What if he recruits? Like, there's no way he's going to recruit on a random Monday in the middle of an afternoon. Like, no, there's just no way. But as we get closer, you know, speculation like comes and everyone's like, yeah, what if he does sign? What if he does sign? And, um, then all of a sudden 140 rolls around and, uh, we get a little, uh, you know, Cam Newton fantasy football piece about what he'll do with the Patriots now. Um, and then throw in Amani Bates and he's all sitting there with his family. And I honestly, you know, basically was going off the tweets that he was, you know, just announcing that he was transferring to Yipsy Prep and that they were forming that. And you know, and then towards the end of the interview, even though they kept saying, like, where are you committing? But I'm like, just like, oh, they're probably trying to say that to get an answer out of him to say whether he's going to go to college, whether he's not and, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden he asked, I think it was Jay Harris. It was like, so where are you playing college? I was like, oh, whoa. And then says, I don't know what the future may hold. But all I know right now is I'm committing to Michigan State University. I'm sorry. What? The what? The <laughs> the best high school prospect since LeBron James. Pretty much similar game to Kevin Durant in terms of, you know, their length, their shooting, dribbling ability. He's not like as big and, you know, as strong as LeBron was, like a, you know, who could just bulldozer through you know, you know, the sophomore junior Johnny who's worried about his algebra two test tomorrow. Like, no, this is like Kevin Durant stature, but not like not as there hasn't been a more hyped prospect since LeBron James. I mean, it's simple. People are saying they would have taken him first overall 
in this year's upcoming draft over anyone there. And I don't agree. I mean, he dropped 63 and 21 this year in a game. He averaged 32 and 10, like it was nothing. Um, and I think that is partially why he is going to start going to prep school and get some other, like his dad said, why this was an important move for him, get him in the room and with other like-minded players, you know, prep school is a lot different than public school in terms of basketball and sports competition. You know, it's just a higher level of athlete. And, you know, this is, I think, good for him. And you still don't know if he's going to go, but we're going to get into that in a second. But thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, this is the Red Cedar Podcast, your boy ST here. And so, yeah, let's just dive a little bit deeper into it. So I already pretty much described the whole situation, how it panned out. But if you want, because, you know, you got your local ninth place team's Twitter users saying that it's funny. He's never going to suit up in the green and white for you. He's never going to whatever. Just no, just. Say whatever you want to them. Say whatever, because yes, we all know Imani Bates might not go to college, and that might not be the best decision for him to go to college. But we do know, unless something crazy happens, he's going to Michigan State. And you want to know why? Because Tom Izzo has been recruiting him since he was in seventh grade. Since he was in middle school. Tom Izzo has had him on the phone, had him up in East Lansing, had him around the players, you know. You know, he has pitchers, you know, with Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson, you know, back when he was young in middle school, pictures in the Breslin, practice facility. Like, he's been there, and Izzo has been there and loyal to him and this coaching staff, uh, which he did mention in the interview. He shouted out coaches, and he shouted out OG Mike Garland for – you know, staying with him and, you know, being loyal to him. And he said, I'm a loyal guy, so I show them loyalty back. And that's, you know, you love, that's what Michigan State is about. Everyone talks about it. Every school says they have it, you know, brotherhood, family atmosphere. But it's literally when you listen to everyone, it's consistent about why they want to come to Michigan State and why they love Michigan State and why they want to keep coming back to Michigan State because it's a family atmosphere. Everyone's welcomed, you know, and that's, you know, what it is. And that's what is a huge selling point for Tom Izzo and even, you know, Mel Tucker in the football realm now. I mean, and this Mel Tucker even tweeted out, that's how you become the coach of the decade, which we will be getting to in the second part of this episode. Big Ten released the All-Decade team for basketball. They're going to be releasing the All-Decade football team this coming week. But we're going to dive into that and a few problems I have with that. But we're going to wrap up this Imani Bates discussion. So when someone says that he may never play a game in a green and white, we all know that. We all know that. If the rules, If he doesn't reclassify, he basically, let me just tidy up his what was said from the interviews and other interviews that were done yesterday with him. And I'm just paraphrasing here. I don't have the quotes in front of me, but he basically said that if high school basketball was too easy for him next year, then he would consider probably reclassifying to the class of 21 
which is, I think, our best opportunity. And I think everyone is in agreement that is our best opportunity to land him because everyone assumes that the NBA will abolish the one and done having to go to college for one year rule. So him reclassifying to next year's class, the class of 21, would be our the clear and obvious best situation in terms of us landing him. Um, he was also asked about the G League Select team with some other big name guys that are going to the G League Select team and making, you know, just, you know, a couple salaries thrown out there for a year of development, then they'll go in the draft. But when he was asked about that, he said, it's good for some people, but he doesn't think he'll go that route. Now, that doesn't mean he won't go this route, because obviously, if you go the G League Select route, then that opens you up to more endorsements and, you know, player likeness, you know, you can profit off your name, he'll obviously get a shoe deal. So, you know, if you have the G League throwing you know, $800,000 million at you because obviously he's better than all the other players in the G League Select team. So you got to, they're going to throw whatever out to try to get him in your system. And then he'll obviously make millions of dollars off a shoe deal and, you know, everything like that that he'll be able to do. But I think another big aspect of this is will, in college, will the name, image, and likeness rules be passed where players can profit off their name, image, and likeness. Um, If that does, then exactly what I think is what's the consensus around Spartan Nation and Spartan fans is if that is passed, then we, I think, have a really good shot at landing him. I think if, if the rule for the NBA that he can go to the NBA is changed, by 2022 and he does not reclassify I don't think that bodes well for MSU in terms of being able to land him I think our best option is to land him next year now obviously with the NBA you know having to reconfigure their season and reconfigure next season and who knows if you know I'm Assuming it hasn't really been announced, but I'm assuming with next NBA season starting in December, and I'm assuming they'll still have it end in, you know, the beginning of June. Because uh, I know they were talking about obviously players want to go play in the Olympics next summer that was rescheduled from this summer to next uh, due to, you know, everything going on in the world in terms of COVID 19. So. I imagine a shortened season next year, and they're obviously, once they get this Orlando bubble and this season up and running to try to finish this off, conversations will have to, they already said, start being had about what's going to happen next year. So I don't, I know that there's a lot of things on these guys' table. I just don't think that next year you can look for that major of a change in terms of abolishing the one and done rule next year. I think 22 is a solid date. I know that's what everyone says is 2022 solid date for, you know, if you're a senior prep senior um, and you're 18 years old, go right to the draft, you know, don't have to do one and done. Why waste people's time? Why waste people's money? Uh, Because of us, if you do want to go to college for a year, then, you know, and you have a really good year and you want to go to the draft, then that's fine. But 
don't force players to go to college if they don't want to go to college and they clearly have the skill set to go straight to the NBA. So with that being said, with kind of wrapping all this up, I know this was kind of a little scattered, but I'm still like, you know, I've had a day to process this, but I'm still, you know, kind of scatterbrained about it and uh, super hype about it. Um, What I think this means is basically, he even said it in the thing. I don't know what uh, in the, you know, uh, press conference that he had, not even press conference, the interview that he did on SportsCenter with his family and, you know, coaches, I think were there too. Um, I think this basically just means if I'm going to college, I'm going to MSU. I love the players there. I love the coaches. I love, you know, the atmosphere and everything. So if I go to college, I'm going to MSU. Now, we'll see, obviously, with him starting prep school, and we'll see if, obviously, all the health experts are assuming there's going to be a second wave in the fall with, you know, flu season and everything. So we don't know. We know that college athletic, or not college athletics, I'm sorry, that high school athletics is kind of, obviously, you know, not as big as college athletics. So it's a little more feasible, I think, to think that if students are able to go to school in high school, that sports will be played because there's not as many people involved and there's not as many moving parts. And obviously stands aren't as big unless you get into the big, you know, places like, um, I just overheard this. I don't know. I haven't actually seen the schedule. I heard that the Amani Bates prep school that he'll be pay- playing at Yipsy prep that they formed. will be playing like some big names like La Lumiere and Sierra Canyon. So obviously they'll be playing in front of big crowds. So maybe crowds won't happen and stuff like that. But we basically what I'm saying is we don't know what's going to happen um, with basketball season. You know, obviously on the forefront of everyone's discussion is football season because that's about two months away. But basketball season, you know, November, December area when this stuff is starting, that's still around when people are thinking, hey, you know, we could have a second wave and a spike in cases again, and it could get bad. So we don't know what that's going to happen. So if there's no season, which I think it's, I mean, I don't know. I think it's unlikely that there'll be no like high school sports seasons. Uh, in terms of basketball, but if there's maybe a shortened season and they aren't able to start until sometime next year, or they're not able to play at all, which would obviously be horrible, uh, but you know, obviously health and safety of the players and everyone involved in the school system and involved there is the, and everywhere is the main concern. But so if he doesn't stay, where does that leave MSU in terms of being able to land in? Because obviously not being able to play competitive and, you know, obviously probably being able to like, you know, work out like, you know, individually in drills and stuff like that, but not actually being able to play competitive. Is he willing to just jump right to college then with the year off? And I mean, who knows, maybe he'll be able to play AAU in the spring, assuming there's a vaccine by then and things will be somewhat to a point where we can start our new normal in this country and this world, really. So 
to be honest with you, I don't know what that, you know, what that entails. I mean, he said if it's too easy, he'll definitely have to consider reclassifying. I mean, he averaged 32 and 10 as a sophomore, won national player of the year. He won a state championship as a freshman. I mean, yeah, he's going to, you know, prep school now. So the competition will be a little bit better, but I mean, I don't, I don't think he's going to go to prep school and all of a sudden his points per game are going to drop below 20 points a game and stuff like, no, it's going to be harder, but this kid is a, this kid is a big time player. As Dickie V would say, he is a PTP. He's a prime time player. He, he's going to raise his level to whoever he's playing. I mean, he already played Bronny James last year and AAU travel, if I remember correctly from the interview yesterday. And so I think he'll do just fine. So I, I don't want to say anything and jinx anything and here I'll knock on wood. But as of right now, I think MSU, the chances of him reclassifying and coming to MSU, I think are pretty good. I still would probably put it at like, probably, especially when you factor everything in the state of the world and, you know, everything going on, all the factors that could go into making this decision. I think that I'd put MSU chances at probably about a 70 to 30, 70% reclassifying coming to MSU, 30% staying in high school for two more years and going to the draft in 2022, assuming that the rule will change by then and he'll be able to go straight after his senior year of high school. But obviously all this can change. All this can change. Like everything can change in a matter of minutes, you know, who knows, who knows what rules can be passed and you know, what could be done. And I think with the generational type talent that we haven't seen since LeBron James. I think the NBA and G League will throw whatever money, whatever he wants to try to get him right away. But I do think if the options for him to go to the NBA, I think he'll go to the NBA. And I mean, rightfully so, he's going to make millions of dollars if it's straight to the NBA. But if the other option is if he doesn't want to stay in high school is to go to the G League select team or the or overseas or play at MSU. I definitely think he'll choose play at MSU over the G League select team and overseas because there's just something about you know overseas basketball. Yes, you can get in some really nice places with some high level competition and you know the G League select team. I mean. Yeah, you're going to be developing for a year and all that. But, you know, you come to MSU, you're going to be playing, you know, you're going to be playing a tough college schedule against other big name stars. You're going to be playing in, in my opinion, the best conference in college basketball. You'll be playing for a Hall of Fame coach in front of, you know, I think 18,000 fans in the Brez every, every home game, you know, playing in the NCAA tournament, getting a chance to, you know, make a run and, you know, be be a generational type talent and benefit from having your name associated with Michigan State. And I mean, obviously, this kid is 
he doesn't need any assistance. I mean, he's going to be amazing. It's not like he needs extra assistance from, you know, a school or any platform to justify his talents and how marketable he is and, you know, how much money this kid will make in the next couple of years. I mean, but, you know, playing at MSU, uh, especially if he can uh, capitalize off name, image, and likeness, you know, that's money right there that can stipend him for the his year in college. I mean, he'll be fine um, in terms of money-wise, especially if that's able to happen. I mean, he'll be the most marketable player in college basketball. I mean, I, I mean he'll be more mar- marketable than Zion Williamson last year, and he, you know, obviously couldn't get paid because the rule hasn't passed yet. But I think all these things play factors into whether he, whether what he does. And I don't think we'll have a decision, obviously, until probably this time next year, you know, or, you know, maybe a couple months sooner, depending on, you know, if he decides to leave after high school ball or, you know, what happens with high school ball uh, this upcoming school year. But I think MSU is in a good place. I think MSU is in a good place with him. I mean, you got him and Pierre Brooks possibly coming in next year. I mean, it's we, uh, if you saw Pierre Brooks on Instagram tweeted, uh, watch out for EL next year, some type of verbiage like that. And it was a picture of him and Imani playing like one-on-one or working out or something. So that adds even more fuel to the fire of him possibly reclassifying and coming into the class of 21. And, you know, I think Imani and his family, they've handled it, you know, great. They haven't really, like with everything, even the G League Select team and, you know, going pro, coming to MSU, they haven't fully committed to anything. So they're not, you know, they're saying, like, I don't think I'd do this, but I don't know. I'd never say no. And that's, I think I have to commend them for that because that's really smart. You see it, like, you see it so often in recruiting and college athletics, you know, saying, I'm going to commit here, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be this, yes, I'm going to do this. And too many people don't leave the door open to do the other thing. And I think it's super smart of them to leave the door open and, you know, have the opportunity to, for him to say, no, I want to do this, no, I want to do this. And, you know, and he even said it himself, I don't know what the future may hold. So I have to commend them for that. And yeah, but Let's uh, think about all the negatives right now. I mean, I kind of just want to enjoy this for right now. We got the number one player in the nation since the best prospect since LeBron James. I mean, you know, all the headlines and everything you want to do. But we're going to enjoy this right now, especially with no sports. Um, yeah, as I get closer to making his decision, then I think, you know, more, more, more information and more speculation will come out and Uh, You know, obviously, as we get closer, and we'll obviously have to see how everything plays out with, you know, high school ball next year and everything. But we're going to enjoy this right now. It's it's always a great day to be a Spartan. But, man. So we're going to wrap a bow up this on this Amani Bates conversation. It's going to take a quick break, and then we are going to hop into the Big Ten Network's all-decade basketball team. So we'll be right back with you. 
All right, we're back with you. Now we're going to talk about the Big Ten All-Decade Basketball Team. Uh, just released last week. So let's talk about the All-Decade. Let's see. Let me pull it up right here real quick. So the All-Decade third team. I'll just... I'm going to read you the teams and if I have any problems with them and then get into a little bit of conversation. So all decade third team for the Big Ten, Aaron Kraft, Ohio State, Yogi Farrell from Indiana, Jawan Johnson from Purdue, Jordan Murphy, Minnesota, D'Angelo Russell, Ohio State, and Caleb Swanigan from Purdue. Then we're going to go up to the second team here. Carson Edwards from Purdue, Ethan Happ out of Wisconsin, Victor Oladipo out of Indiana, Jared Sullinger from Ohio State, and our very own Cassius Winston from MSU. Now we go to the all-decade first team. We got Trey Burke, Draymond Green out of MSU, Trey Burke from that school down the road. Frank Kaminsky from Wisconsin, Evan Turner out of Ohio State, and Denzel Valentine from our very own Michigan State University. Now, just kind of overall, I don't have many problems with this. The biggest problem I have is Cassius Winston being on the second team. Cassius Winston is the all-time assist leader, and he's on the second team. Evan Turner played three or four months in 2010, yeah, he had really amazing stats. I just looked him up before this. It was upper 20s, like nine rebounds, six assists. I mean, yes, he was a really good player. But he played three months in this technical decade. You know, if you want to count 2009, 2010 as the, you know, playing year for 2010, then okay. But that's still one year. Cassius had four solid years and three years where he was a starter every game and which I'm sure Evan Turner was obviously a starter every game too. But if we're just looking at the decade, three years, yes, Cassius didn't win national player of the year, but I think if Zion Williamson didn't have all the hype last year, I think Cassius would have won it. I mean, but that's just what happens when you're going up against a, you know, a guy from Duke like that and, you know, all the more public publicity they get in terms of, you know, ESPN and, you know, all the major outlets for that stuff. But I think Cassius should have won National Player of the Year last year. When you look at the whole body of work, yes, we all know that Zion Williamson is a, you know, a number one pick in Cassius, as much as I love him and as good as a player as he is, he's not a number one pick like Zion Williamson like that. But if you're looking at year that he had beating Duke and leading his team to the final four, yes, they didn't win it, but he won big 10 player of the year, but I would have gave him national player of the year last year as well. So Evan Turner being on the first team instead of Cassius Winston, is my only big, really big like problem with this list. I would swap those two out 
and you know I'm fine with Trey Burke he even though he plays for that other school down the road I you know he was an amazing talent and amazing player Draymond Green obviously I will get to who the player of the decade was but spoiler alert it wasn't Draymond and it should have been Draymond or Denzel in my opinion yes that's a little biased but Frank Kaminsky yes he had a really solid run and led his team to the national championship in 2015 versus Duke and they didn't win it. And Denzel Valentine, obviously he was solid for, you know, basically his whole career at MSU, but especially in 2016 when he won the national player of the year and MSU had an amazing season. Yes, they lost in the first round. We don't need to talk about it as the two seed, but if you're looking at body of work, Denzel, you know, obviously deserving so and led his team to a final four back in 2014-15 when I don't think many people thought that, you know, MSU could make it that year. You know, we kind of struggled in the regular season and it wasn't, definitely wasn't how 2016 was where we were, you know, ranked number one for a little bit and, you know, we were, we were a seventh seed. Um, if I remember right, we made it to the final four. So, I mean, and Denzel Valentine and obviously Travis Trice and those boys were a big part of that too. But Denzel was really solid and really amazing for his four years in college. Um, second team, I kind of have a problem with Carson Edwards, but I being on that team, I get it. Victor Oladipo is another guy who definitely should be on the second team. He can challenge for the first team, but I think with everyone else on there, I think they had a better career. Um, Jared Sullinger, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good, it's a good pick. Um, third team is, you know, I know Aaron Kraft. It's yes, he was a good defensive player and you know, hustle player, but I don't know if he really deserves the third team nod. Um, Jordan Murphy, I can get behind it. D'Angelo Russell was um, amazing for his one year in college, but um, third team, I think is good. Maybe pushing second team. Caleb Swanigan, I'd put, you know, especially if we're looking at, I mean, we have D'Angelo Russell on here as a one and done type player. I think that in terms of Caleb Swanigan, I think Miles Bridges' two years were better than Caleb Swanigan's two years. Um, yeah, I, Jordan Murphy, he was a solid player. Um, I don't know, maybe Adrian Payne, um, if we're talking just like MSU guys. I mean, I know this is a lot of MSU, but... Yes, other teams have had success like Ohio State and that school down the road and Wisconsin have had success this decade, but you know, MSU is has had the most success in the decade. So I would maybe put Adrian Payne in there instead of Jordan Murphy, but you know, I think I think the committee did uh or the panel who voted on this did a really good job. I think the only glaring thing, like I said before, is Cassius being left off the first team. Uh, besides that, I think everything pretty solid. I think they pretty much got it right. The I'll stick with players, and then I'll close it off with coach of the decade. Frank Kaminsky, player of the decade. 
it's okay. I I understand it. He was dominant. Led his team to the national championship game. Um, my heart says Cassius Winston, and I know that's recency bias because he obviously just graduated, but I think uh, he should definitely, for his longevity, should be in the conversation of the top four players of the decade, and yet he's not even on the first team, which is the problem I have. Um, but Denzel Valentine, too, I, if I had to pick one, I probably would have picked uh, Draymond Green or Denzel Valentine with giving the edge to Denzel because simply he played all four of his years in this decade, whereas Draymond played his first two years in 2008, 2009, technically before this decade started. So if we're just looking at this decade, I think I would give the edge to Denzel. And second, I would probably put Draymond and Frank Kaminsky be right there at two and three. Zell, number one. And I think I'd put Cassius at four right there. And, you know, I think Trey Burke right behind. Um, I guess that would be my my five right there. So I it's not don't have a big problem with it. He did a lot of stuff, took his team to the national championship game, so I think I would just go another direction and yes, that can be a little biased a little bit of a biased opinion, but you know, it is what it is. The all decade coach, I mean, this shouldn't have even been a discussion. I mean, it should have been a unanimous Tom Izzo. And I don't know if it was, it doesn't really, doesn't really say, but I mean, three final fours, four big 10 regular season and four big 10 tournament titles. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the numbers speak for himself and, you know, all the lottery picks and first round picks, second round picks that he's had over the decade. He's been the coach of the decade. There shouldn't be any question about it. But overall, I think a solid job was done by the the panel. And, you know, only only big problem, like I said, was Cassius being left off the first team. I think that's kind of criminal. But, yeah, so that was, um, I think they did a good job. Like I said, football, all-decade team comes out this week. So clearly going to have something to talk about that. And yeah, so that'll, that'll probably be the next episode talking about the all decade football team. Uh, We probably won't do that till after everything comes out. Obviously it'll be coming out through this week. I think MSU should obviously have some players on there and I think they should, uh, you know, I think, I know it'll probably go to Urban Meyer, but I think D'Antonio deserves a look at coach of the decade. I know Urban Meyer won a national championship, but, you know, he wasn't here the whole decade, whereas D'Antonio has been here the whole decade, and he's done a lot of good things. So I think that's a conversation that we will have in the next episode. But like I said, thank you guys so much for watching, or sorry, listening. Thank you guys so much for listening. I, If I can remember what we're doing, then we're recording a podcast here. Um, Yeah, and that'll do it. Thank you guys again for listening. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at ScottTroop16. Go check out my YouTube videos on YouTube. And, yeah, I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but thank you guys again. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace out, gang. Go Green.